Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. The buzz today, your business wish list for next year. Let's get started. If you're wishing and hoping, dreaming and praying, I think that's a rock and roll song, for a real-time crystal ball to get a sneak peek at what 2015 may bring for your company, your industry, the world, stay tuned because we've got the next best thing. Today, we are live, it's December 10th, and next Wednesday the 17th and on January 7th, you're going to hear a total of more than 40 thought leaders sharing three-minute predictions on the technologies, the strategies, the trends that can help you grow and compete better next year and beyond. We fondly call this annual special edition show a potpourri of predictions on steroids, but I digress. You're going to hear insights today from 14 thought leaders, so I'm going to ask my my audience, wherever you are all over the world, to pour yourself a cup of Joe, a cup of Earl, or a cup of Dom, our three favorite favorite guys in a cup and join us for SAP Game Changers Radio 2015 Predictions Part 1 Live. I'm very excited to welcome my first three panelists on Segment 1. We're going to be speaking with, and you can all just say hello when I call your name, Sherry Ann Meyer, an IT manager at Air Products and Chemicals, and she said I can call her Sherry today. How are you, Sherry? I'm great, Bonnie. Great to be back. Thank you. You were the first one to respond to this massive invitation, and here you are in the number one spot. You go, girl. I'm happy to have you on. And joining you right close behind was Sven Denikin, Vice President of Strategy Cloud Solutions at SAP. Sven, how are you today? Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you on. And joining us in this first segment is W. David Stephenson, an IoT thought leader at Stephenson Strategies. David, how are you today? I'm fine, Bonnie. Great to be with this wonderful panel. Wonderful. I agree. So we've got about 12 minutes to rock and roll. So Sherry Meyer, I'm going to give you three minutes on the clock. Let's go with your predictions for 2015. Personalization will become the focus of human resources. Corporate culture is going to rise to the top of organizations' priorities, and innovation is going to trump TCO. Personalization of HR, a key initiative, and by that I mean we're going to see an increased focus by IT on the softer side of HR business processes. The need to differentiate people by locale, age, gender, skill, type of work, and even personality in managing talent is becoming top on the minds of HR professionals. And I think that's going to drive technology development because there is no one-size-fits-all to talent management. Corporate culture, um, really key to the success of most organizations. We've all been talking for years about the millennials and the future of our workforce. But what really needs to change most in organizations now is culture, especially for those well-established organizations that have been deeply entrenched in doing business, say, since the mid-20th century. The old mm-hmm. ways of motivating and engaging won't work, and I think we have to call upon all employees to step forward and be leaders. And lastly, and then this one's for you, um, innovation is going to trump the total cost of ownership in information technology. And here's why. The ERP platform proved its worth, um, even if current management teams don't recall what it was like prior to ERP. But the business needs to reach to the next level of differentiating success. And to do that, technology changes are going to be required. And the technology will come with a cost that might not have a clear and immediate business benefit. Um, so we've seen minimal adoption, really, of mobile solutions uh, in the workplace and relatively few organizations understanding HANA or even knowing what cloud is. 
Um, so in 2015, I think instead of talking about HANA, cloud, IoT, we'll really be talking more about business problems, business competition, business growth needs, and aligning all of those to use cases that will empower the business to succeed, and then the solutions will follow. Thank you, Sherry. That's a lot. I know you prepared very well for this. Quick question. Uh, It's going to be changing in terms of motivating employees. And now I've heard statistics on many of our shows, Sherry, that we have five different generations trying to coexist and cohabit the workplace side by side, shoulder to shoulder. I'm not sure up and down where they are on the ladder. Are the millennials going to be the ones who will be the pushers for better motivation? Are they, you know, they're going to be turning 35 this year or next year. So they're not exactly kids anymore. So who's going to drive this change in motivating employees? Just quickly, Sherry. Thoughts? I think it has to be top down. I don't think it's going to be the millennials. I think that whoever's in top management positions has to recognize the need and make their employees feel valued um, and their differences feel valued. And that whole diversity thing is, is key. What we've talked about in the mentoring shows, Bonnie, is really key to the success, the success here. Every employee needs to be recognized, and we need to develop our talent management programs so that they're recognizing differences and, and rewarding differences. I like that. Thank you very much, Sherry. lot to chew on here. Sven Denikin, you're up. Let's hear your prediction. Spend three minutes. Go. Yeah, thank you very much. And Sherry, you're on the point. It's not about technology. Technology needs to be an enabler. And by the way, if customers ask me what should be my cloud strategy, I said, wrong question. Tell me what your business strategy is, and then we define the technology behind it. But nevertheless, if you look at my top three, on on three, still there would be the topic around Internet of Things, and let me go into that very quickly. Then number two spot for me is hybrid cloud. And number one, it is really about digital transformation. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about technology. Let me start with Internet of Things. So I think it's hyped up, but it is and the essentials of this discussion, they do remain because it is happening whether we acknowledge it or not. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? So Internet of Things use cases are applicable everywhere, and they help many companies to transform their business and gain a competitive advantage. So all these, though, will feature, I need to monitor, or something, I need to analyze it, I need to automate the business all in real time. So I think it's going to influence the discussion in the year to come. Uh, my second spot was hybrid cloud because I think reality is as it is. Uh, customers want to consume at their speed, not at vendor speed. So it is about the right mix between, you know, solutions that they own called on-premise, between managed where a vendor or partner takes over part, or public cloud where one speed of innovation. I think customers, though, go away from ad hoc spending of applications to a more coherent and orchestrated platform or approach because they understand if, you know, if I'm in a mushrooming environment at all of those solutions, I don't get my job done. So let me come to my favorite, and which is really on number one of my 2015 list, which is digital transformation, which means, by the way, that using new technology to drive a significant business improvement. And with the ever-growing digitization we have and the evolving customer demands, all businesses will need to face this challenge. So it's either, you know, conquering the disruption through a digital transformation or you are going to be disrupted. You need to do the right technologies, but also the leadership strategies, the best practice to create the opportunities for innovation. And it is very clear today's decision makers must become part of the new and evolving digital conversation or become obsolete. 
That would be my Thank dream. you, Sven. Fantastic. Uh, I was going to ask you, you talk about the, the digital transformation and disruption, and I'm going to propose a, a change of wording in there. You want to be disrupted in the right way, but you don't want your business interrupted the wrong way. Can I go on record as saying that? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, it is not about fear. It is about you need to change your business while you're doing good. You need really to transform your business. And no matter what technology you use, start it now. Because, you know, today, two clever people can do things where five years ago you need a complete infrastructure of an enterprise. And that is what we are facing in the marketplace. And many of those examples are out there and very prominently discussed. Thank you so much, Sven. And let's turn to our third panelist in this opening segment. This is three out of, I call it a baker's dozen plus one today, 14 people. W. David Stephenson, what are your predictions? Three minutes. Go, David. Sure, Bonnie. I predict that uh, 2015 is going to be the year that the Internet of Things really penetrates consumer consciousness. And that's going to be because of the Apple Watch. That watch is going to unite both health and smart home apps and devices, and that's going to mean that you're going to be able to access all that usability just by looking at your watch without having to fumble for your phone and open a specific app. And that's going to also really apply uh, to the business world, I think, too, as we've seen the way um, you know mobile devices have entered the uh, workplace. And if Apple chooses to share the watch's API on the if, if this, then that site, the Apple phone's adoption and its usability is going to go to warp speed. We won't have to wait for Apple or developers to come up with novel ways of using the phone and the related devices. Makers and just plain folks using IFT will contribute their own recipes linking all of those devices. Um, this democratizing of data, of data is one of the most powerful and, I think, underappreciated aspects of the IoT. And, in fact, Sherry Ann, I think that one of the most interesting IoT strategy questions for business is going to be that we're going to have the ability for the first time ever, when you think about it, to share real-time data with everyone in the company who needs it, everyone, and even with supply chain and distribution networks. And I think this year we're going to see some discussion of how we're going to have to change management practices to capitalize on this real-time uh, ability to share data. Now, Sven will be interested in this one. My uh, next prediction is that in 2015, the IoT is also going to speed the development of fog computing, where the vast quantities of data generated by the IoT will mean a switch to processing data at the edge, a place where it's actually created and gathered, and only passing on relevant data to the cloud rather than overwhelming the cloud with data, most of which is actually, in fact, <laughs> irrelevant. Um, and uh, 2015 also is going to be uh, where the IoT is going to be much more of a factor in the manufacturing world. The success of GE's Durathon um, battery plant and the various German um, uh, Industry 4.0 manufacturers, such as uh, Siemens, are going to mean that more companies are going to be developing incremental IoT strategies where they're going to begin to implement things such as sensors on the assembly line that are going to allow real-time adjustments to optimize um, uh, efficiency. And then they're going to build on that familiarity with the early stages of the IoT 
to eventually bring about really revolutionary changes in every aspect of their operations. But they're not going to wait until the IoT is fully developed to do it. They're going to start with these incremental changes. And finally, I think the uh, 2015 is also going to be the year when we really get serious about IoT security and privacy. That's going to be driven by the increasing public concern about the erosion of privacy in every aspect of our lives. I predict that if anything can hold back the IoT at this point, it's going to be the failure to take privacy and security seriously. Public trust is extremely fragile. And even if some uh, fledgling startup is responsible for a privacy breach, the public is going to tend to tar the entire industry with the same brush. And that could be disastrous for all IoT firms. So look uh, for the FTC to start uh, scrutinizing IoTC claims and levying more fines for insufficient security and look for more industry efforts to actually deal with this issue. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, David. Wonderful, the three of you. Uh, Sven, I'm going to give you a one-sentence comment on David, and then we have to go to break. Sven, thoughts quickly? Well, I, I think he's on the mark. It's going to be always incremental. There's no big bang approach to a new technology or whatever or whatever is behind the driver. I think it needs to be driven by a business case, and that's why the strategy needs to be driven by business, not by technology. Thank you very much to my first three panelists opening this Predictions 2015 special. We've just been speaking with Sherry Ann Meyer, Sven Denikin, and David Stephenson. Wishing you all three a happy holiday. I didn't have time to ask you what's in your cup today, but I hope it's a cup of great cheer. Have a happy, wonderful everything, and I know I'll be speaking with the three of you next year. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, it'll be segment number two, and my featured guest will be Dr. Stephen Hunt at Success Factors, Tim Barker at Data Sift, and Justin Locke, author, playwright and management thought leader. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Predictions on Steroids, Part 1, here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. It's December 10th, and we're live. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are back with segment number two with three more esteemed predictors. We have Dr. Stephen Hunt at Success Factors. How are you today, Steve? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining me, Tim Barker at Datasift. How are you today, Tim? Hey, very good morning. How are you? 
Good. Wonderful. Glad to have you. And Justin Locke, author, playwright, and management thought leader. How are you today, Justin? Well, Bonnie, I'm just spectacular. You know that. I, you told me that on the break. I love that. So let's get started. Steve Hunt, I'm going to give you three minutes for whatever you want to predict. And we've got live tweeters here who are ready to capture your words of wisdom. So Steve Hunt, 2015 predictions, three minutes, go. Okay, thanks, um, Bonnie. Yeah, I mean, the first one I'm going to predict isn't really so much a prediction of the future, but just a reading of the past, which is the, there's going to be more and more skill shortages, uh, simply because we didn't have a lot of people born in the 1970s and 1980s, and we didn't educate people at the level we need for growing technology and workforce demands. And so we're just going to see more and more shortages of having highly skilled employees in the right jobs as we need them. So I think that what I would predict will happen as a result of this playing out is, you know, there's a lot of talk about millennials, which will continue to be really important, um, mainly doing the really common sense basic things so that we don't tolerate lousy management because they just won't put up with mm-hmm. it. They don't have to. They can just get a job somewhere else. And again, I'm talking about skilled employees here. But the other one I think would be really fascinating. I think we're going to see a lot more focus on employing older workers, people past 60. And this is new. We've been employing people in their 20s forever. We've never employed large numbers of people over the age of 60. But I think that's what's going to happen for a variety of reasons. But part of it is simply skill shortage. We can't afford to let that knowledge um, go away if those people are still willing to work, and many of them are and want to. Yes, we are. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm not I'm retiring, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, We're this, here. This is, a, this is a fundamental transition. I mean, we so for uh, us as a society, so I think that's going to be really fascinating um, and a positive one, I think, overall. Um, the other one, I think, is going to come out of these skill shortages, more emphasis on contingent workforces. Um, it's hard to get the statistics, but according to some people, we are up to close to 40, maybe 50% of the workforce is becoming contingent. It's really, it's sort of this quiet thing happening in the background. And how do we have it where it's no longer necessarily employment contracts, but employment relationships that you have with people? And they're not necessarily employers, but these long-term contingent um, relationships. So that'll be interesting. I what think is on, a contingent relationship? Uh, contingent is where they're not, they're like contract employees. You know, oh, okay. they're, uh, you, as you have need, you bring them on, but they go. But there's a lot of, like, whether there's, you know, seasonal work or contract work or project work, you're seeing more and more organizations that are networks of professionals that come together as opposed to an intact organization. And that's um, a much different kind of organization, but it's becoming more common. Uh, the... Uh, the other one, I would imagine, actually, a lot of people on this show might be contingent workers in terms of you contract up with other companies when they ask you to do work for them. The mm-hmm. other one, I think, is the second trend that I would have that's kind of all these skill shortages. I think we can see a lot more pressure to legislate better pay and benefits for entry-level and hourly jobs, sort of the, non, if you say non-skilled, and like use a word because these are skilled jobs, but they're not like highly technical jobs. I get concerned we're having an increasing disenfranchised labor market. You know, it is it is hard if you're out there and you don't have a, a decent college education or the college education you have isn't giving you the right skill sets or you don't have a college education at all. It is a very difficult labor market, and we're seeing, you know, we see these sort of persistent, chronically unemployed or employed but having to work three jobs just to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, that's having more and more pressure, and I think we're going to see more and more things coming. I don't exactly know what that's going to look like, but I think we're going to see greater advocacy of a very large part of the population that may not be getting paid well, but they're able to vote. So um, 
I think that's something as a society we probably have to deal with. That's a little bit above my pay grade, personally. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Steve, I have a quick question before we turn to Tim Barker. And thank you. Mm -hmm. Question is, you said millennials are not going to put up with bad management. The skilled millennial workers are going to go and find a job somewhere else where they're happier. My quick question to you is, you also mentioned workers over 60. We can't afford to let them go. No, please don't let me go. The question is, do you think that the baby boomers who are still in the workforce, still energetic and engaged, and involved and have great ideas and want to work, do you think they, I said they, not we, they will have the idea that they can shift jobs and go from company to company at this stage in life because they may not be happy with management? Uh, What do you think, just quickly? Yeah, absolutely. It's already starting to happen. And I also think you may see a lot of people that are older going into contingent work because it is true as you get older, what you want and Sadly, to some degree, what you're able to do does change no, as no, you get no. past the age of 70, <laughs> for example. There, there are real, I mean, we have to face the facts. Um, and so I think the nature of the working relationship is going to be different. I think it should be different, just as the nature of the working relationship for people that are very young is different. Um, Thank you very much, Steve. I'm going to have to move over to Tim Barker from Data Sift. Thank you so much. Great start to the segment. Tim Barker, I can give you three minutes on the clock. Go. Fantastic. So I have one prediction, um, which is really the topic, uh, two mainstream topics that are converging, and they are big data and consumer privacy. As we've seen in the last year, 18 months, a large number of companies are investing in big data technology. Gartner estimate 73% of enterprises are investing in big data. The number one use case for that is the nirvana of every marketeer, a better insight into your customers. This 360-degree view that we've been aiming to do for 15-plus years is now becoming a reality as companies converge, integrate, and blend data from a myriad of sources, whether they're looking at behavioral data off of mobile devices, social media interactions, purchase data. The potential is to turn every company into a marketing powerhouse. Um, But along with this technology, you can just see over the last 12 months that really the um, consumer sensitivity to privacy is now starting to emerge as a mainstream topic. 80% of consumers, as uh, Pew Research identified, have a serious concern about how advertisers and businesses are accessing, harnessing, and profiling data they share. And even just over the last few weeks, whether it's Google's right to be forgotten, which is a legislation enacted in Europe, or even um, Uber with their Ubergate um, issue where they openly touted an application they built that allowed them to view any one of their customers and their um, geolocation activity in real time. Wow. All these things have the potential to create a destructive force um, unless companies can really look at privacy by design. How do they build governance into what they do so that they are not creating potentially toxic, toxic assets for their business or even you know, toxic assets that really are destructive to an entire industry? So that, that's really, you know, I think we're at the art of the possible in terms of big data. And I think now as companies race with enthusiasm into the future and the potential for big data, it's time to reflect on what companies have as their most precious asset, which is their customers, and the trust of them, which is essentially the currency that we use um, to really build our businesses. And that's it Thank from you. me, Bonnie. 
Thank you, Tim. Brief and to the point. I really appreciate that. Very well said. And Justin Locke, I'm going to give you three minutes and then we're going to cap this segment. So, Justin, thoughts on 2015. What do you predict? I have three predictions for you, Bonnie. Good. First one, I'm going to go way out of limb and I'm going to predict that there will be conflict in the Middle East. And this may affect oil prices. That's my first prediction. I am very strong about that, but I know it's kind of bizarre. Now, my second prediction, this is kind of riffing on Stephen, is that I'm very specific about this. You all know who Peter Thiel is, I assume. He's a venture capitalist who was involved in eBay. He is going to take one of his uh, protégés, one of his fellows, that he gave him 100 grand or so to drop out of school, and he's going to end up in a lawsuit with one of his non-college graduate kids uh, applying for a job at a big company, and he's going to sue them on constitutional grounds that it's unconstitutional to refuse employment to someone because they don't have a college degree. And this is going to start on the state level, both in right-to-work states, and it's going to partly be about Article 6 of the Constitution, because he is claiming that college is a kind of a religion. And he's going to claim that it's a religious test. And it's going to be very interesting to see if that goes to the Supreme Court. And that's my first prediction. And my second prediction has to do, I have some new terms here. One is the concept of an e-robber baron. Right now, as you know, we have Amazon, iTunes, uh, Cafe Press, Facebook. I could name any number of these large, really big, you know, Internet entities that are essentially people who are working for them. Anyone who contributes to Kindle or uh, an e-book or, uh, you know, an Amazon or sells on Amazon, there is no uh, union for them. There is no collective bargaining. There's no uh, ability for any of those people to stand up and say, hey, you know, we want a little more money, you know, for, for our share of the, this ebook. And I think some enterprising young politician, Elizabeth Warren is my biggest hope for that, but I don't know. I think she's a little too much caught in the, in the past system of uh, go to school and get ahead. But I think there's going to be a dark horse candidate who is going to actually establish the Democratic version of a Tea Party. It's going to be a splinter party that's going to represent all of these disenfranchised people who are trying to sell their you know, doodads and homemade goods through, through these uh, large uh, Internet portals. And they're going to become a voting block, and we are going to see very big changes in what will essentially be – it won't be a union movement. It will be an e-union movement of the people getting together uh, to do that. So I think I'm kind of reflecting and bouncing off of what Steve said earlier. That's my prediction of how those things are going to go in the future. Thank you very much. Steve Hunt, I can give you one minute to respond to anything Justin just said. You want to tackle anything? Uh, I, I think the ever one, I think I agree with those statements. I think it's really interesting, some interesting specific observations. But the main thing I'd say is, um, yeah, it's interesting on the college education. The, the reality converts though that we learn things in college that are hard to sort of pick up on the streets, especially engineering and medical, biomedical sciences. So it may say we have to, I could see a change in saying you can't use college degree, you have to use more certification and skills testing. The reality is, though, that we need people to know how to do certain things. And that's going to continue to be a barrier for a lot of people out there in the market who simply haven't acquired some of what I'd call our difficult, hard skills, like mm. math science. Thank you. Very, yes, good. Going back to the good old basics of math and science, Dr. Stephen Hunt, Tim Parker, Justin Locke, thank you so much for joining me today. As I said, this is predictions on steroids, although we don't say that publicly. Oh, I just did. I want to wish the three of you a very happy, merry, everything, whatever holiday you celebrate. All the best in the new year, and I predict that the three of you will have great success continuing to do what you do, and I'll talk to you again soon. So have a happy holiday. This is Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to go out for a quick break. When we come back,
come back. Segment three will feature David Fowler at SAP Services, Professor Ashok Ranchad of the University of Southampton, Hanson Liu, at, a Director of Product and Marketing Solutions at SAP, and Professor Gopal Rajguru at Innovate and Grow. You don't want to miss their predictions. We'll be right back. Don't even, oh, you know what to do. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Brad, out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're on our predictions on speed, or I like to call it predictions on steroids. This is segment number three. I'm going to just list our three panelists, and then we will hear three minutes from each of them. David Fowler, SAP Services. How are you, David? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me, Professor Ashok Ranchad. Welcome. How are you today? Yeah, fine. Thank you, Bonnie. Good. I'm, well, we'll talk about your injury in a second. Hanson Liu <laughs> at uh, Product and Solutions Marketing at SAP. Hello, Hanson. Say hi. Hello, Bonnie. Hi. Glad to have you and Professor Gopal Rajguru. How are you, Gopal? Very well, thank you. Good. You sound great. Okay. Dave Fowler, you're up first. We're going to give you three minutes for predictions on anything. And by the way, those of you who aren't familiar with David, he is the sponsor of, so far, two seasons of The Future of Business with Game Changers Radio here on SAP Radio. We're delighted to have you as a predictor. Dave Fowler, go. Thank you, Bonnie. And I'm glad that uh, you brought in the, um, the Future of Business uh, concept because what, um, what we've been doing is really kind of exploring different aspects of the future of business. One of those aspects that we've spent time on is the whole concept of the future of work. So my 2015 prediction really ties into the future of work, and it's what I call the mass migration to the anywhere, anytime lifestyle. I think that um, over the course of 2015, we're really going to see a move towards people um, unbucketing their lives. Uh, today we live, um, a lot of us, in the, okay, from this time to this time I do this, this time to this time I do this, and so on. Mm-hmm. But technology is really giving us the ability to work anywhere, play anywhere, be with our family anywhere, be a consumer anywhere. So what, what I see happening is instead of the classic nine-to-five, 
we're really going to be moving more towards what I'll call a task and results-oriented lifestyle, where Mm. we might be intertwining and blending different aspects of our overall work-life balance together over the course of a day, a week, and so on. So really what that means is that instead of being um, our responsibilities around showing up in certain time buckets at certain places, really gets us into looking at managing our lives, our time, our work lives, our personal lives, using the technology that we have today by looking at what are our responsibilities and what are our opportunities and essentially live our lives working those all concurrently over the course of um, over the course of time. So in the long term, I think that this um, mass migration to this anywhere, anytime lifestyle really is going to create kind of the bye-bye to the office cube. And the whole classic workday scenario, I mm-hmm. believe, is going to start to change to be far more um, anytime continuously um, intertwined. Dave, thank you very much. A lot to think about there. I appreciate your thoughts, and I tend to agree with you. I think it's all good news. Let's turn to Professor Ashok Ranchot. Ashok, somebody's got a nice ping there going on on their phone in the background. Ashok, you're up. Let's hear your predictions. Three minutes. Please go. Oh, I've got a range of predictions. Um, <clears throat> one, of, one of my predictions is that we'll, the whole aspect of neuromarketing is going to get <clears throat> more sophisticated and people are going to start looking at how brain imaging and scanning for products and brands uh, takes place in a more sophisticated manner. Uh, so they'll be, uh, you know, quite sophisticated selling to, to individuals. And I, I see that growing. Um, the other, other, uh, prediction is that I think the U.S. will become the most preeminent economy again, uh, mainly because of the way it's growing and, and the um, oil prices going down, etc. So I think it's going to get its preeminence place, and especially with all the innovations that are going on there. Um, the third thing uh, that I foresee is a big growth in 3D uh, digital printing. So people are going to now say, well, how do we actually, like the previous speaker said, you know, we, we kind of trying to think of the work, work-life balance in a different way. So how, how do we have s- smaller communities to produce uh, bits of things that we need, manufactured things like houses, whatever? And I think that is going to offer a great scope, and, and that's going to come about in a, in a big way. So I, I can see a lot of things like gaming, neuromarketing, etc., coming together on a personal level, but I can also see technology changing the way we live and the way we do things, especially with the growth uh, of, of 3D printing, etc. And a third big uh, thing, that the fourth big thing I think I'm saying now, mm-hmm. uh, that, that will be happening is people are starting to look at the way we produce food. So I think there's going to be a lot of ecological thinking, and there's going to be a lot of food which is going to be produced 
which doesn't need cows and pigs and chickens and all the rest of it, but will be just as good and will be processed in more intelligent manner, taking less energy. So there's a lot of things, I think, that are going to happen, and, and, uh, and I, we're just on the cusp of all these changes at the moment. Ashok, thank you. I love the worldview and bringing in food. That's something I didn't expect to hear on the show, and thank you for that vision. Hanson Liu, you're up next. Go ahead. Hanson, what are your predictions? All right. Well, my prediction uh, is going to focus around customer service and specifically field service. I think you heard a number of predictions already about ILT and Internet of Things and the, the, ex, the explosion of data, but the, the prediction for me from a customer service perspective and field service perspective is that field service and these organizations that are, that are involved working with customers and service customers are going to need a new skill, and that skill is going to be involving uh, analyzing data, finding patterns, and using tools to predict what's going to happen, and that is going to be a big uh, competitive advantage and differentiation for, for these customer service organizations. Uh, because everybody else will be doing pretty much the same thing. And if you're able to predict what will happen next by using data that are out there uh, that uh, in the equipment and on devices that your customers are using, you're one step ahead of your competition. The second prediction uh, would be that uh, because of these customer pressures and, and the empowerment of customers, uh, the in terms of service, SLA in terms of uh, appointment time, in terms of um, uh, what they need to deliver are going to get uh, shorter. They're going to get tighter. They're going to get uh, tougher to meet. But that is really the, the fact of life because customers have choices. And, um, and if you don't meet, say, a two-window uh, appointment times or you're not able to commit to a uh, a, a equipment downtime of no less than two hours or four hours, you're not going to be able to service that customer. So, and then the third one, uh, which I think tied back to a number of discussions already about the, the new workforce, is that, um, you, you know, we have a whole new millennium that are coming out, but a lot of problem with the customer service organization is that they're not able to re- recruit fast enough to replace the the aging workforce. So my prediction is that the key success factor, and, and no pun in, intended here, <laughs> is that for, for service organizations to be successful is going to rely very heavily on their ability to recruit and develop new workforces for, yes. for the, the ongoing years. Thank you very much. Great insights. And let's turn to our fourth panelist in this segment. It's Professor Gopal Rajguru of Innovate and Grow. Gopal, welcome. And I'm going to give you an equal time, three minutes for your predictions. Why don't you start now? Terrific. Thank you. Well, I'm going to focus on the area that I I see and work with every day, which is the interaction between salespeople and customers. And this this is one of the one of the big challenges because I, I guess I would call it change at the speed of the customer. Many organizations with which I work are, are being forced to change the way in which they actually address their customers, largely because of the, some of the things your other panelists have said today, which is that they are, they, are, they are embracing other types of lifestyles, this idea of work when and where it needs to be done. And 
we as salespeople need to need to adapt to that as well. So I think that's one of the changes that's going to have to come around is that the traditional idea of the salesperson and their job as well of being the nine to five or, or whatever the hours are will have to change in order to accommodate the different needs of the customers they serve. And that is going to create a, a very, very big challenge in the other aspect of the organization, which is leadership. Because the people that, that, that they have to lead, the, the traditional models of leadership involve a co-location of leader and follower in order to make these processes work. And that is, is going to have to change, and their ways of leadership are going to have to change. The content and quality and style of their leadership is going to have to change in order to adapt to the new, more dynamic environment. And Certainly, as more and more of the millennials come into the into the workforce, particularly in in jobs like sales, sales often very highly skilled jobs, those people demand much more from their leaders than, let's say, tra- traditional employees have. And so, the the, the change in, in the culture of leadership is also going to have to, to to follow. So that's that's what I predict will will have to will have to change. So those are the two big things that I see as as being, at least in the environment where I work, the things that will influence the way in which people work, sell, and buy in future. And the result of that, or one of the the results of the, the increased power of the Internet, is the value content that a salesperson has to bring into the conversation from the first contact has to be raised considerably. Because the traditional aspects of simply positioning your company and products and whatever is actually insufficient these days because customers already covered that. They've already covered that in the Internet. They've covered it through other, other uh, chat rooms and forums and other things like that. We are now no longer the exclusive source of information about our products. We're one of them. And we're not necessarily the most important one, but we have to regain that position of being the most important one. Gopal, that's so interesting. I'm doing a show later today on our series called The Customer Edge with Game Changers, and the premise is prospects are nearly 60% of the way toward a purchasing decision before they even contact your company, before they even meet a salesperson, whether face-to-face or online. They're doing all of their stuff. They're doing the journey by themselves, and you'd better be the one who's doing the journey with them, even if you don't know that you're there. I want to thank – I think we're ready. Yes. Okay. We're good. I want to thank my four panelists because we have one more segment. I've got four more thought leaders coming on. If you haven't guessed, this is SAP Game Changers Radio Predictions 2015 Special Part 1, and I like to call this Predictions on Steroids. David Fowler, delighted that you could join me today. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you tomorrow on your show, Future of Business. Ashok Ranchad, thank you so much for calling in. And Ashok, I predict that your your whatever you injured on the tennis court will heal, and you'll be playing tennis like a pro very, very, very soon. Hansel Lou, thank you for joining me. That's a safe prediction, and Gopal Raj Guru, thank you so much, the four of you. It's a pleasure. I want to wish you happy holidays, every wonderful success for each and every one of you in the new year. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a short break and come back with our next four panelists, Jason Maiden at Mark One, Jeremy Epstein at Sprinkler, Ingrid Bernardin at SAP, and Brent Leary at CRM Essentials. We're going to take our quick break, and we'll be right back. You don't want to miss this one. Bread out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back with our final segment of Predictions 2015, Part 1 on steroids. What can I tell you? Great panel coming up here. I'm going to be introducing Jeremy Epstein, VP of Marketing at Sprinkler.com. Say hello, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Let's turn to our second panelist, Ingrid Bernardin, Product Manager specializing in innovation at SAP. Ingrid, comment ça va? Ça va bien, Bonnie, et toi? <laughs> <laughs> Merci, bien. Je vais bien. And Brent Leary, how are you at CRM Essentials? Brent, everything good? Everything is good. Uh, just don't ask me to speak Southern and give you a Southern hello. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can't you can't match that beautiful voice. Let's get rocking and rolling here. We're gonna get going. We are waiting for we're waiting for one more person, but he hasn't called in, but we've got plenty of good stuff here. So let's kick it off with Jeremy Epstein. Surprise, you're up first in this one. Jeremy, I'm gonna give you a full three minutes, and I mean three minutes, no more, for your predictions. What do you see coming down the pike in twenty fifteen? Jeremy Epstein, Sprinkler, go. Well, thank you guys. It's good to be here. Yeah, for from what we're seeing, and I know we work with about 700 brands, you know, I think it, it builds a lot on what you, uh, what your panel has talked about in the previous segment, this convergence of the Internet of Things, the empowered customer, uh, how customer care is now a driver of marketer. And, and we're seeing this evolution now towards how, the question of how do you really manage and optimize uh, customer experiences at every single touch point across an entire organization. So I actually just wrote a blog post, uh, going to be hopefully putting out in the next couple of days, but I think 2015 is really going to be about the question, not just around customer experience, but customer experience management and the infrastructure, the technology, the training, the approach, and the reorientation of the enterprise uh, around customer experience as the key driver of customer uh, satisfaction centricity, which is mission critical now because of all the things that was mentioned before. So uh, you're going to hear people talking about how do we manage experiences um, across, you know, 100,000 people, 70 countries or whatever, uh, a company the size of SAP when you have thousands of touch points, social, digital, uh, online, offline. So I think the, the big prediction for, for next year is it's, uh, it's going to be about experience management uh, for that customer at every touch point. There you go. I'll give you some time back. 
No, that's fine, Jeremy. We, we actually have a little more time than we thought. My question is, who's going to drive this experience management? Is it going to be customers who are using their vocal powers, they're exercising their digital lungs, if you will, on social media, yelling and screaming, I wasn't treated right here and this didn't happen, blah, blah, blah. Is it going to be senior management that's saying, we need to have a better viewpoint on how we're managing this experience. I'm not sure we're doing it right. Let's make it even better than we ever dreamed of. Is it coming from both sides or somewhere in the middle? What do you see? Well, customers are obviously, they're not clamoring, hey, I need customer experience management. But for all the reasons that you've been talking about all morning and, and you've been talking about on the show that you do so well so often, um, there are these massive trends out there that are changing business. You know, I tell people this is the biggest business disruption since Gutenberg invented the printing press in Mainz, Germany in the 1500s. I mean, it's that (laughs) significant. And we're at the very, very beginning. So we have to change the way we've done business from, you know, a process-centric company that just is very internally focused to an experience-centric company Mm -hmm. that's focused on the customer in every sense of the word. So that's the macro trend. And you're seeing some companies who are saying, okay, wow, we really need to drive this change. And it has to be done at the senior level. You know, you look at the evolution of, say, social in the Mm -hmm. enterprise. Three years ago, you know, it was at the social media manager level. Now we're routinely at the CMO, CIO, chief customer officer level. And so those are the people who, are, who envision what should the experience of interacting with an SAP or, you know, a Microsoft or a Nike or whoever um, be. And then you have to work with your CIO to put the technology in. You have to work with your customer officer, all of those people to make sure that the organization understands every single touch point really, really matters because any one of those can be the thing that eliminates a billion dollars of brand equity overnight or sets off a whole tidal wave uh, of revenue. Um, so I think that the why, the, the, those front-end executives are, are seeing what's happening in the marketplace, and they're saying, we can't afford to sit around and just let stuff happen to us. We need to be proactive to ensure that we deliver the best experience, because as you pointed out before, most of the buyer's journey is done by the time they come to us, and people talk about that as experience. And if you hear you of a bad experience with a company, you're never going to even give them a chance to, to sell you. So uh, they're, they're starting to orient around that. So it's a little bit of both, but it's got to be the senior execs. Thank you very much for answering and indulging me, Jeremy. Always great to talk with you. Ingrid Bernadam at SAP. Ingrid, your predictions, three minutes, go. Okay, um, so I have actually three major predictions for 2015, and of course it's going to go on the mobile side. Um, the first one I see coming is that uh, mobile, as we know, is expanding, mobile is booming, but mobile for people is still phone and tablets. And so for 2015, I see it becoming uh, wearable as well. And uh, I see 2015 as a year where wearable becomes actually fashionable and usable mm-hmm. and uh, not just, a, you know, a geeky gadget that people are using and the other people looking at them are like, who is this weird person? Um, so I think it's going to transform the way we use, uh, we use mobile uh, by making it even more near and even more accessible. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking is on the enterprise side, I see also a rise of, uh, of the usage of uh, mobile application. Not mobile device, I think it's already there, uh, but really the use of uh, critical mobile application. And this will really unlock a lot of things. It will really unlock the mobile workers uh, to be more efficient, but it will also increase um, the usability and enable new way of uh, working 
uh, in the enterprise, and I think it will unleash new possibilities. Um, so this is very, very exciting for me um, in, on the enterprise side. The other thing that I was thinking about is on the, on the HCM side, so on the human capital management side, as we were saying, we were talking about mobile, we were talking about how the world is becoming more social, how the brand needs to, uh, to be you know, uh, more active on the, on the social media side, etc. I think on the HCM side, we will see the same thing internally in the enterprise. We see that the performance management, um, it's a very formal way uh, of doing um, management, and we will see that it's going to transform into a more social, continuous performance discussion uh, with, the, uh, with the employees. And I think this will really revolutionize the way people are compensated, people are um, being seen in the enterprise. Um, so those are, for me, the big three uh, things that I see coming in uh, 2015 in my, in my area. The other thing that I see uh, in the world is, um, is a change in terms of economy. Uh, we were talking about social and media, and I think it's really a way for uh, microeconomy and small shops to, be, to really raise uh, to a very important level in, in the economy system. The big brands will have, in a way, less voices uh, than the small ones uh, in, a way, in a world where social and uh, a high interaction and high impact um, is, is increasing. Thank you, Ingrid, very much. And we have just two and a half minutes on the cloud. I'll give you a full three. Brent Leary, take three minutes. Let's hear your CRM Essentials predictions for 2015. Go. Well, first of all, I, I've had a chance to, in addition to you know, a whole bunch of people, a bunch of companies, I had a chance to speak or, or participate in a whole bunch of conferences this year. And a lot of the themes... Uh, they're kind of boiled down to three things, reinvention, uh, reimagination, and revolution. And I I can say, yeah, I think we're going to see even more of that coming up in 2015. And I think in particular, there are a couple of, you know, real good instances where all of that is kind of needed. When it comes to how companies are using mobile or the term mobile marketing, it seems like for the most part, uh, mobile marketing and mobile engagement uh, has been kind of disconnected from the o- the other pieces to the puzzle for in terms of channels and formats and, and, and uh, traditional engagement. So you see a lot of folks focusing on mobile, but focusing on mobile from more of a traditional lens. So uh, you see a lot of messaging going back and forth uh, that is supposed to look prettier on a mobile device, but it's still traditional messaging. It's still traditional kind of uh, the, the way that they approach it. But I think over the next year or so, you're going to start seeing a maturation and a, a realizing of these, these mobile channels, these uh, particularly mobile applications. You can do so much more than just send your traditional message and make it look pretty. You can actually you know, leverage the, the full dynamics of this device to create completely different experiences, in particular create better, uh, better opportunities for engagement and extending a relationship. So I think you're going to see uh, going from just looking at mobile as a nice way to shoot out emails or, or optimizing a mobile uh, website so it makes, looks good on a mobile device to actually thinking about how can we put what we can do with mobile at the heart of our engagement with customers. Uh, I was at a conference where the VP of Business Development for Facebook gave a really um, – Stat, but maybe it isn't an un- unbelievable. 86% of all in- uh, engagement that customers do on a mobile device, 86% of that time is spent in apps. So it's not spent looking at mobile websites. It's not spent 
looking at their email or looking at email that's, that was meant for a web uh, a desktop to look good on a, a mobile device, it was spent in apps. And why is that? Because apps are taking full advantage of what the functionality and capabilities uh, the, those, uh, those devices can do and creating new experiences, new engagement opportunities that go beyond what you can do in the traditional sense of, of mobile uh, and particularly marketing. So I think you're going to see a lot more, uh, a big jump in how companies leverage the power of apps, creating custom apps, creating, leveraging the functionality that you're able to use with these devices to fully capture and, and hopefully create better uh, opportunities to engage and extend relationships. Ren, thank you very much. Honey, I, we're out of time. I am so sorry. This was great. No, we captured a lot of good predictions from you. I have to close the show, but I know, listen, let's tweet some more at hashtag SAP Radio. Big shout out to my colleague Malcolm Kimberlin tweeting at handle SAP underscore R-A-D-I-O. He captured predictions from every single one of our 13 guests. So thank you to our final episode, final segment, Jeremy Epstein at Sprinkler. Thank you, Ingrid Bernadon at SAP and Brent Leary at CRM Essentials. I'm sorry, Brent. I have to tell my my panelists, thank you and happy holidays. And to our listeners, we'll be back with the second part of 2015 predictions next Wednesday here on December 17th. Bonnie's predictions are we're going to be starting at least three brand new series next year here on SAP Game Changers Radio. One will be cloud trends, one will be business networks, and one will be meet the women game changers. Woohoo! I'll see you this afternoon here on the Customer Edge with Game Changers at 3 p.m. Eastern. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seat. What are you waiting for? Have a drink of something wonderful and go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.